Hi, this is Cheryl Sitz, founder of Journey of Possibilities. Welcome to Exploring Possibilities, our monthly broadcast in which we do an in-depth interview with a holistic practitioner or professional and learn all about their products and services. You can hear all of these episodes at www.journeyofpossibilities.com. And don't forget to check out our new online holistic community. You'll see the entrance for that right there on the homepage. This broadcast of Exploring Possibilities is brought to you by Tech Life Balance. Log in, log out, break free. Mario Rosales does a wonderful job with all things online. Do you have an online marketing strategy? He can help you with that. Would you like to integrate it all so you're not doing a million things every day online? He can help you with that. What about an online community around your topic of health and wellness or anything else? He can help you with that too. Just look around. He designed this online community. Isn't it fabulous? Again, it's Mario Rosales and the company is Tech Life Balance. Log in, log out, break free. This month, I'm very honored to be able to share with you a wonderful connection I've made. And so I'm visiting with Tonya Don Rekla, talking about standing in your personal power. And thank you for being with us, Tonya. Oh, well, thank you. I'm excited to be a part of this. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. I am very intrigued by your background and how you came into this holistic wellness path. (laughs) And is there any aspect of that that you would feel comfortable sharing with us? Oh, sure. I share everything. First of all, I just have to say, I love your voice. It's so like melodic and so comforting and just, it makes me want to just curl up. And uh, (laughs) so it's, you you share wonderful light and energy with your voice. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, Of course, I'm pretty much an open book um, about everything, which you'll see from my website. Um, But my path is definitely an interesting one. I'm not the typical person that people expect to find within the holistic arena, which is part of the reason I love being in that arena, because people don't expect it. And I I love nothing more than shaking up people's expectations. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I was um, a former soldier and a former counterintelligence agent, which is just a fancy way of saying that I ran around chasing spies. And prior to that, I was a, uh, I, I had my bachelor's degree in intercultural communication and a master's degree in a field of education where I studied critical intelligence, both from Arizona State University, and I was teaching there. And then after um, 9-11, I was kind of floundering career-wise, just trying to figure out what I wanted to utilize my education for and was looking at different PhD programs and stuff. And um, when that happened, it really shifted my whole perspective and reality and I enlisted in the army. So I did. My path has always been a bit, um, let's say, different than most. So I, I was 27 with a master's degree when I enlisted in the army, and most of the people I was training with at that level were, you know, 17, 18 year olds. Um, so that was that was an interesting wow. experience. And most <laughs> most people do it the other way around, don't they? They go into the army to get the education, and you kind yeah. of went went the backwards way with that. But that's interesting. Yeah. What you brought to that scene then was so different than what many do. I did, and it was it was fascinating. I like to tell people that from um, a physical perspective, I feel like it was it was very challenging. I feel like the uh, the eighteen year olds had me on, on that level. <laughs> But from a self-development perspective, I, would, I had done so much work already um, towards self-actualization that I was able to really observe that environment in a way I don't think I would have been able to um, as the 18-year-old that I was. And it was liberating 
I mean, it took me all of two seconds of the drill sergeant screaming and spitting in my face to be like, got it. You're great. I suck. You win. I lose. Like, it's understood. No conflict, you know, and it was really me being able to detach from that entire process. Um, And I really did feel like I was on autopilot for the majority of the nine weeks of basic training. But I saw these young egos really flaring up and resisting and fighting. And I was just looking at them like, you know, if you just give in, like it really <laughs> makes yeah. life so much easier, you know. And and that whole, you know, them wanting to really fight that and, and from my perspective, you know, wanting to remind them. And I did remind quite a few of them that they volunteered to sign yeah. to do this, you know. <laughs> Minor so detail. <laughs> te- technically, the drill sergeants can do this to you. You wow. ask them to. You know, and really, so it was one of my first uh, coaching lessons in uh, self-responsibility. So, yeah. So how did, how were your interactions with the others there? There was a bit of an age gap and and definitely a background gap. How was that for you? You know, I don't know. It's very funny. Like, it's such a blur to me. I've never been so tired in my entire existence. (laughs) I I I fell asleep marching. I fell asleep on the toilet. Like, I was... Wow. I really don't know. And I I have a great story from that because um, the way I got through basic training was I made sure I was never at the beginning of the line or and never at the end of the line <laughs> so I could just get swept up like in the school of fish if you will being being swum through this process and um there was only one time where that didn't work out so well for me because I was um at that time my maiden name um, began with a b and we had to do um hand grenades and so you had to throw two hand grenades and for whatever reason the army at that time at least felt like that was a really really important task that we get done and so you actually had to line up alphabetically and they checked you off and so I was the very first soldier to go um, alphabetically and up to that point I had literally existed by just following the crowd and so I got in there threw my grenades and then I came out and I remember being so tired and I was trying to remember what they had said to us about where we were supposed to stand and what we were supposed to do and I could not recall anything wow. <laughs> existing in my memory around that. So I look back at the line of soldiers getting ready to throw their grenades. I'm like, okay, I know that's not me because I finished like I'm I'm being rational here and so <laughs> I just decided to walk over to another area to separate myself from those who still had to go. And the rule of basic training when I went through, it was a little bit different than the olden days, was that drill sergeants could only touch you if you were putting your life for others' lives at risk. And um, out of nowhere, this drill sergeant comes running at me, just tackles me and throws me up against this wall. Oh. My head bangs back. And I'm looking at him. And he, every time I did something dumb, this this drill sergeant just happened to be around every <laughs> single time. <laughs> and he's standing and he's yelling at me and he's in my face and he's spitting on face is bright red and he's screaming and I was so tired and I was looking at him like and I finally just said look I get that you're upset I completely can tell from your posturing that you're not pleased with me (laughs) but I really have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) wow as you can imagine that made him even more upset yeah and um finally I was able to discern that the area I had walked into was where all the shrapnel was falling oh gosh (laughs) Oh, so oh yeah, he, I, I think he looked at me like, what is wrong with this woman? <laughs> it was like every time I did something stupid, he was right there. It was like, <laughs> it was like a bad movie. Um, so yeah, so that was, <laughs> but that's literally my recollection of 
basic training was like, I I don't know. I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Well, you know, one thing I heard interesting in there, I mean, that's an amazing story. I can't even imagine and being that tired. (laughs) One of the things that I picked up on is here you are talking about standing in your personal power and you kind of alluded to the power of blending in. And mm-hmm. and for someone talking about standing out, that's that's really kind of intriguing to me too. Well, it's it's funny because I, I and I was pretty honest with people. I think at the stage that I got into in my life, like I mean, I was teaching, um, you know, junior level students at Arizona State, and I was you know delving into Marxism and topics of critical thinking, and I, you know, I I thought I was pretty stinking cool, and it I I think for for a lot of reasons I needed. I felt like I needed to go to basic training t- to kind of be reminded that eh, you may not be as cool as you think you are, you know, and really take myself out of that comfort zone I had created for myself. And that's been a pattern of my existence. I mean, I studied uh, different cultures, different races and stuff, and really went through a process of deacculturating myself with messages and, and what I knew to be true about the world around me, having grown up, you know, in the numerical majority in this country, middle class, and and really recognizing that the way I perceive the world is not the way everybody perceives it. And so I'd already started on that piece of the journey. And I think I had just gotten too comfortable. And um, and, I, and I'm always very good at recognizing when I'm too comfortable. I don't do well when I get too comfortable. And so um, my life has really illustrated that. And I and I told people, I said, I think I just need a kick in the butt, you know, to get knocked down a couple notches again to be like, okay, wow, you know, I'm not as cool as I think I am. And I and what I found after training and stuff is that I was in an army with people who had, you know, 20 years experience on me in that field. And well, not 20, probably 10, 10 years experience on me just because I went in, you know, through a different path. And so even though here I was with my education and all my, you know, knowledge, I still had to learn from scratch. I still had to start over. I, you know, I, I still had to learn how to shoot a rifle and, you know, and, and everything else, all of the skill sets in a completely new arena. Um, my people knowing, my um, understanding of how we process and the multidimensionalities of human behavior was transferable into my chosen field. But, I mean, the military, I didn't come from a military family, so I didn't know anything about I mean, I, I screwed up ranks all the time. You know, I was like, am I supposed to salute you? Am I, I don't even know. You know, like, what am I doing? It's like yeah, Private I wouldn't Benjamin, know you know? Um, so it was really just an opportunity for me to completely shake things up again. Well, you know, and you said, I've experienced that too, where it seems like as soon as you get through some training or some education and you feel like, okay, I know this, then you end up in an arena where that only helps you so far and there's a whole lot more to learn. And it seems like that's also an era that we're living in, where as soon as we got too comfortable with something, we're going to shake it all up and it's all different now. And so it kind of seems to be a theme of life, at least for me. Do you feel that? I think that it's a theme of life for some of us. I think it's absolutely happening, at least below the surface for everyone. Not everyone is cognizant of it yet. And there are some of us who have chosen to be of service. Uh, ushering in kind of this new level of consciousness, um, I firmly believe that we asked to be extremely aware during those processes so that we can teach, so that we can serve. I just got um, done with a coaching call today where I was explaining that we've asked to be taught lessons in a way that we can relate to the people who are right behind us coming through those lessons so we can hold their hands and guide them through it. Yes. Um, so some people are drifting along and don't 
feel that at all. And it's not that it's not that it's the shift in consciousness isn't affecting them. They haven't asked to be aware of it at that level. Those of us who want to teach and serve and are really um, dedicated to bringing forth some of this information in a new way and to help those systems evolve in in ways that we've never seen before, we're the ones who are getting those lessons at levels that we can it, it, it's like the real meatiness of them like we have to live them breathe them sleep them like yeah you know and, and I know so many people who can relate to that for a long time there I felt like I had two analogies one I felt like I was in a dryer and I was just like going and going and it used to be you learn a lesson and then you got a break and then you yeah. know a few months later you'd learn another lesson you get a break like there's no break now. No, no, it's all it, sped up so it, much. It's like, wow, it, you asked for it and there it is. Bam, you wanted it. Here it is. I hope you asked for it right because this is what you got. <laughs> exactly. We're manifesting at such a rapid rate. Um, the other analogy I was using was just waves crashing, like just one after another, just sucking me under. And it's like you can't even come up for a breath before you got another lesson. And initially, when I started recognizing that pattern, I was like, wow, I must be doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> Because we're really taught within spiritual development communities, self-actualization communities, personal development, that if you learn the lesson and you learn it right, it doesn't come back. You know, yeah. you get to move on. And I was seeing these lessons repeating themselves. And I was see- and I was like, I must not be as quick as I thought I was. You know, what is happening here that I'm having to repeat these lessons? And what I've discovered through that process is we're, n- we're not repeating lessons anymore. What's happening is, is that we grow on a spiral. And so as we move up that spiral, you get back to a lesson, but you're not the same you yes. who experienced it before. And part of this whole process is that we're integrating, um, and this is where nobody expects this stuff to come out of my mouth, but <laughs> this is where uh, where we're really integrating lower, lower dimensional energies of ourselves. And so it's really the fully integrated piece of you that has to experience it, even though part of your consciousness has already been there. And so it's kind of mind trippy because you're like, but but I, I was just here. I look the same. I feel the yes. same. Like, what did do you I mean miss it's not something? Why is this back again? Yes, <laughs> yeah. And and at first I was calling it the post test because there is some of that going on too, where people will learn a lesson and then they'll get it right back again. Yes, and it's just to test your conviction. Like it's just an opportunity for you to really cement your um, knowingness around that. Um, so there's some of that happening, but this other piece is really just an opportunity for us to detach from it and say, okay, it's cool. Little lower dimensional me, like I've been here before, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's such a game that we play, but, um, but I, I believe in response to your original question that it's happening for more intensely for some of us, because we need this arsenal of knowingness and of experiences so that, so we can teach what we wanted to teach. Yes. I, I fully agree. So let's, I, I feel like we jumped ahead and I really am interested <laughs> in that middle crazy. story. I know we're all over the place, right? <laughs> um, so you went from this military arrangement and then there was the spy, the spy. Everybody was going to want to know about that. You were a spy. And then how on earth are now you pe- teaching people to stand in their power in such a really enlightened way? What What have we missed in the middle of the story here? <laughs> Oh my goodness, so much, so much. I know. <laughs> um, let me see how succinctly I can draft that together. The I was a government agent, and so I was doing surveillance um, missions and investigations against espionage suspects, um, which you know certainly I can answer questions about that. But the um, but the big piece was is is during that time frame. Once I had gotten to that level of a career, I 
I always felt like I was looking for the perfect job. That was my quest in life. Well, what I didn't realize was that's not actually what I was questing for. Of course, I was I was really seeking wholeness, but that was all I knew. And so I assumed if I was dissatisfied, it was because I wasn't in the right job. Well, once I had this career that most people covet and, you know, even people people who know it exists covet it and everybody else doesn't even know it exists and I'm getting paid to do these amazing things and to run around doing surveillance and, you know, doing driving training and shooting weapons. And I mean, there were literally days where I sat there going, really, they're paying me to do this. Um, That's when I had to face the fact that that's not really what I was seeking. It was still at the end of the day, it was still just a job, um, an important job. You know, I felt like it fulfilled a, a big need in the world, but it was still just a job. I think a lot of people go through that. I mean, whether it's a high-level, exciting job like you have that everybody wants to know more about, or they feel like they're stuck in the mundane. I mean, I think right there, just this one thing we're talking about is a place a lot of people are in. What am I doing here? Is this, mm-hmm. this isn't right for me. How do I break free? What do I do? So how mm-hmm. did you, what was next? Well, what I want to share with those people is it's it's probably not about the job. I mean, and, and I think that we get sold a bill of goods kind of through our socialization that, um, you know, if you're not happy in that job, it must not be the right job for you. And I think more and more and more and more people are seeing that. Yeah, I think that's a, the rise in entrepreneurship. That's the rise in, you know, this. Yeah, I don't I don't want to play in that game anymore. You know, so we're seeing more people um, stepping out of that arena. But for a long time, that's that's what I thought. I just assumed if I wasn't happy, I must not be in the right job. And I yeah. um, I didn't hold a job for more than a year up to that. I would learn what I was there to learn and then I, I would get bored. Oh, so and, our resumes look pretty um, similar, I guess. <laughs> I, I think those who acknowledge, I, I think it's happening more and more for yeah. sure. It's yeah. much more accepted nowadays than it was, you know, 20 years ago. But the, um, so, but to me, what, what that specific job represented was like, okay, if this job can't satisfy me, if this job isn't the one, <laughs> then which one's going, you know, then I'm, I'm done. Like, and I re- got a little depressed there because I was like, where do I go from here? You know, well, where? Where do you look for another job after this? And so, but once I got clear around the fact that it wasn't about the job and it never was, now I was able to look outside of that. And and I got, um, that was when I got bit by the entrepreneur bug and like, well, maybe if I'm my own boss, then I'll be happy, you know? Yeah. And so I left government um, to be an entrepreneur, which is unheard of. Nobody (laughs) leaves government. Nobody leaves that job, you know? And if you do, you just go into a different government job. So um, I shook things up there a little bit because people were just shocked. They're like, nobody does this. I'm like, I get that, but here I go. <laughs> and um, and so I went to, um, I, I hired a coach and went to become an entrepreneur and that didn't turn out quite like I thought. It ends up that that part of my journey was less about becoming the millionaire I thought I was going to become and more about the journey <laughs> through the dark night of the soul yes. and some spiritual growth. <laughs> growth and <laughs> all of that fun stuff. That what many, yeah, what many entrepreneurs who are also seeking enlightenment tend to stumble across in the search for, for wealth, we find ourselves first, right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And it was and it was in that process that I really had to delve into some pieces of myself that I had been ignoring up until that point. And, and I, that's mm-hmm. when I wrote um, my first book, uh, war, watch, assess, react, uh, the ultimate guide to personal power and safety. And I wrote that based on the fact that I had to come to terms with the fact that I had survived two rapes in my lifetime. So one when I was 16 and then one actually while I was an agent. And um, 
and my response to that. So the book is, is less about being a victim and more about what I deem to be kind of a peculiar response, which was I put the mission ahead of myself. I put, because I never said anything because I knew they would wow. stop the mission. And from my perspective, having to go through that and see at these two very, very, very different points in my existence. And the second one, I had been trained, you know, to kill people and I was usually armed and, you know, I, I could have done some damage and I opted not to. You know, what was it about me that had me responding the same way as a 16-year-old girl and then as a 32-year-old woman, a trained agent? And that was when I was really able to start breaking down the patterns. And what I had to come to face is that, granted, these two individuals, you know, did that to me and perpetrated that against me. However, my behavior toward myself was very similar. And I was doing that to myself daily. You know, I was disregarding what I wanted. I was acquiescing when I, you know, didn't want to. I was saying no when I meant yes and yes when I meant no. And I see that in a lot of people, you know, we're raised to be polite and to not really put ourselves first. And that was what completely started the journey um, into holistic healing and everything else for me and that transformation and, and really understanding what it means to stand in your power. It didn't matter what training I had had, if I didn't think I was important enough and if I didn't think I was worth defending, I wasn't going to use any of it in a life-threatening situation. Wow. That is so, yeah. so powerful. And I mean, <laughs> so, especially so where you were talking about, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm amazed at that. You were When you talked about how we victimize ourselves first, I don't know about any other woman or man for that matter listening to this, but I sure felt that. I know when I've done that and then turned around and wondered why somebody else took advantage of me when I totally, you know, showed them that that's how I treat myself. So why not treat me that way? That's a really, really valuable insight to share. And you talk about that more in your book, I'm sure. I do. And, and, and everything that I've built around my platform started with that. And, um, I mean, it, 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 tr- trust me when I say that, you know, it wasn't fun to go through. I can look back at, on it now and kind of laugh and say, okay, I get that on some level, spiritually speaking, I agreed to have those experiences um, yeah. to bring forward the information that I have to bring forward from a really intrinsic place of understanding. Yeah. That, but that wasn't fun. I mean, that wasn't in, that that wasn't even enjoyable to face because I'll tell you, my friends at the time... I guarantee you they would never have used the word weak to describe me. Right. They would never have used the term people pleaser. I mean, I was not always, I mean, I was a pretty abrasive female. You have to have a certain, you come from a certain ilk to enlist in the army to begin with as a woman. (laughs) Well, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. (laughs) And up to that point, I had absolutely not integrated any feminine energy you know I had really resisted that I had grown up resisting girly and anything pink and anything you know that was just not my way of going about things and so I guarantee you to the outside world I was the epitome of what we would have perceived to be powerful um, given my training and where I was coming from and what I had agreed to do in the world but that just wasn't the truth and as we're getting more savvy as a, as a peoples and as we're really tuning into our own intuition and um, our own knowingness, we can feel that better in people now. And we know when they're not being congruent. So this facade 
that I had put up had to crumble because I can't teach from that place. I can't be authentic with people if I haven't gone through that work to be authentic with myself, no matter how powerful I wanted people to think that I was. Yes. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of us going through layers of those lessons ourselves. I don't, you know, whatever they look like, um, I've heard it described as masks that we wear that Mm -hmm. we become really comfortable wearing. And I have that strong woman mask too. And I'm, you know, as I'm finding my softer side, boy, we do that stumbling a few times, you know, oh, maybe that, no, that doesn't feel right. It's, it's, you go into the discomfort to agree to find a new place to live from, but it's definitely worth the journey. Although I'll give you that it's not, those experiences don't feel good, but they're part Mm -hmm. of our process. And I like where we get to. So I guess that's the end result, right? Absolutely. Well, and it gets easier. I mean, it really is. And the irony is, is that we fear our egos will tell us that by doing that portrayal and by putting up that front, we're protecting ourselves and we're giving the impression of power. And it's really everything but. And the true power, and this is where my work comes in, is the true, true, true power lies in first being vulnerable around that. And then you become untouchable in the sense, not from your standoffish, but untouchable in the sense that people cannot sway you from your own truth. When you speak your truth, there is no arguing with it. There's no debating it. That's your truth. That's who you are. And when you get to that core of yourself, you're free. I mean, that's the definition of freedom. And so the irony is, is that you have to be willing to first face the vulnerability, but it's through that vulnerability that you find your real strength. Wow. <laughs> I've got tears in my eyes. I have so been on that journey the last couple of years, and I'm I'm really open now mm. in that place. And yes, you are absolutely speaking to my heart about what it feels like to stand in this new place. And it is a place of power. It's a place of extreme power. However, that mask looks from moment to moment, because it's not a mask anymore. It's the emotion you're feeling, mm-hmm. and it is your truth. Absolutely. And and it's interesting. It's interesting to me what's happening societally, universally. I, I love observing. I, I, have, I have someone gifted me lately by sa- saying that I have the gift of discernment. And it's it really is interesting to take on that observer role almost full time, even with you know my own actions and I teach that to my clients to, you know, do everything you can to be observing without judgment and allow the aspects of you that need to experience what you're experiencing to do that, but to maintain your own knowingness through that process. And, you know, to to sit back and observe myself and those around me and, and clients and friends and the people who find me, but not just that, but society at large, you know, and kind of... It, it, someone asked me, I had a meeting yesterday, and they're like, well, what do you think of all the terrorism stuff? And and I, I kind of had that kind of puppy dog look where you shift your head. You're like, huh? And <laughs> she's like, you don't know about that? And I said, well, you know, I've heard about it, but I'll be honest with you that I don't, I don't pay attention um, to the news very often for a number of reasons, and we don't need to delve into all of those, but... <laughs> <laughs> but what I see overall, universally, which is being mirrored through our individual journeys as well, is as a nation, as a society, even as as a, as a planet, we're being given the opportunity to face our vulnerabilities. And and I and I'm watching people now very symbolically self-destruct. 
the the individuals who like we talked about earlier were manifesting so rapidly that it used to be that if you had a a personal issue that you weren't all that crazy about addressing it could sit on the back burner for a while it could <laughs> simmer there you could ignore it you could and you could still be relatively successful in your day-to-day activities and i i feel very strongly that that's changing yes and any more your business, you know, a lot of us have, have asked that our we ha- live a holistic, integrated lifestyle, so our work is our life and our life is our work. And in that realm that we've chosen to play in, there, there is nothing left unturned. Like That's right. <laughs> you, you can't hide from that for very long because it will wreak havoc. And not only will it wreak havoc now, but because we're manifesting so rapidly, it will exponentially wreak havoc. Yes. And and it happens so rapidly, and people are like, are blindsided. They're like, whoa, yeah. everything was going fine, and now it's just not. And I'm like, okay, well, what what aren't you facing? Like, what are we not looking at here? What? Yes. And and maybe you've asked for it to fall apart so you can rebuild. Like, what really? What's going on underneath the surface? And you know, to me, nothing is insignificant anymore. Um, I talked to a gentleman who who had some issues around a, a divorce and and custody and da 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 da. But I'm fine I've been very successful and I was like oh honey I was like you probably want to look at that (laughs) that's not gonna work much longer I said you may have blips of success I said but overall you're you're just gonna self-destruct like you can't carry that and what it is is it's very it's energy so as we're raising our consciousness and our vibration there's certain energies that can't last there and you certainly can't continue to raise as long as you're carrying lower dimensional energy so I mean there's physical reasons why this is going on but so it's really fascinating to sit back and watch the micro interactions of myself, you know, what's going on within me and then within other people. And then, but then really how as a society we're portraying that on a much larger scale. And you really, from that perspective, get to know how essential it is that each of us individually does this work because of the impact it has on the whole. Yes, absolutely. So I'd like to talk a little bit about your work. Um, you, you you mentioned that you do it holistically and that work is play and play is work, and I, I love all that. So can you tell me a little bit about the ways that you help people stand in their personal power now and whether it's working with individuals or groups? Is it books? Is it sessions? How can we engage you in that? <laughs> yes. Yes to all. No. The, uh, so I have I have my platform, which is, you know, the TonyaDon.com. It's Tonya Don Reckla and the Standing Your Power and Personal Power Expert. And, all. and that's just how I repurpose, you know, my level of understanding with regard to that specific platform. And with that, I have the book War that I um, talked about earlier. I'm also in the process of writing my new book called The Dragon Queen, which I'm extremely excited about. And I do coaching, um, speaking, uh, teaching to groups and stuff like that. And um, I'm really excited because one thing that I had to come to terms with here recently was I had developed my whole platform. I, I've had a knowingness that business as usual just doesn't work anymore, that we, are, we have asked to have the way that we engage each other in business and, and in all aspects of life, we, we've asked to change that. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing a lot of prior ways of going about business not working anymore. And what I found, though, was that in developing my platform and my coaching programs and everything else, I established those very similarly to ways things had been done in the past. And that was an important step for me transitionally because I needed to get to a place of knowingness around what what I wanted to teach, who I wanted to engage me, 
um, what levels I wanted them to engage me at. But what I recognized that I did in that process was by putting a specific price tag on all of my programs, I was giving money way too much power. Mm -hmm. And I don't like how business is done or was done. And I really am all for evolving how we engage each other. And so I sat with that for a while and I'm like, okay, what feels good to me? What, how do I make myself accessible to people without feeling like I'm being taken advantage of or feeling like I'm constantly working for nothing because we have to take care of ourselves. You know, our bills need to get paid. Our livelihood needs to be um, supported. And I do believe we can manifest whatever we want in our existence. And so I really sat with that for a while. And what I came up with was I have a 30-day program and a 90-day program. The 90-day program is my power intensive. And that's, I mean... (laughs) That's really, that is, I am in your back pocket. I am, I'm literally, I might as well move in with you. Like you are not going to be able to tell yourself another story around fears and egos without me calling you on it. Like it's really, wow. it's, it's, um, you have to want that. You can ask my husband, he gets to live that daily. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, my 30 day program is what I was calling my power introduction. And one thing I got clear about was that I, I don't want to offer that 90-day program to anybody unless I've worked with them during the 30 days because it, it really isn't for the faint of heart and it's it's not for everyone and it doesn't really even serve everyone. There's a certain type of person that this these types of programs serve. And so I got clear around that first of all and that was very liberating. But then the second piece was I'm like, okay, but for 30-day program, like there's a lot of people I can serve who don't feel like they, they have the money to pay a coach. Certainly not what coaches of the caliber that I was portraying myself to be would charge and what I was charging. And uh, that didn't feel good to me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed the pat on the back. I could say, yeah, you're great. You deserve these rates. You know, I was giving myself all of that languaging that we've done um, for people in our field, but it didn't feel good. It didn't yes. feel good to not be accessible. And so what I came up with was that 30-day program I'm piloting now, um, and I'm calling it Say What You Pay. So it's not pay what you can because, again, I don't, I don't believe in that languaging, but say what you pay. You say it. You tell me what you want to pay. You tell me what feels good. I tell you what I offer, what the program entails. I let you read my agreement because, again, like I'm not going um, you know, to dance around your emotions, and, and I really encourage people to manage their boundaries with me in, in this mm-hmm. work that I do. But you read that. You see what resonates with you, and you tell me what feels good to you and then I'll let you know whether or not that works for me so really giving people empowering people to say you know I think I want to work with you I, this really resonates it feels good to me. I'm getting a good intuitive feeling around it it feels good to me to engage you and this is what feels good to me to offer that is definitely um, a different way of doing business yeah but it feels so good yeah. and it's like yeah it I don't does. know if you can do business this way I don't I believe you can but well, you then know? you can. You just said it, right? If we believe it, then it, it's going to yeah. happen. And yeah. I'm with you. Everything is shifting and people are looking for new ways of doing business and, and new ways of raising families and new ways of, I mean, you've kind of got a really unique situation in that each aspect of your life, it seems like from what little we've been able to talk privately has fueled the rest of it so that you've put together something that works for you around an overall quality of life. And that's got to be where we're going as professionals and as people, that it, it all ties together well. I, I agree, and that's and that's a part of the reason why 
you, you know, why we do what we do, we being my husband and I, and then we travel, well, we travel full time, which, you know, I'm sure people listening don't know, but we, um, we don't have a home. We gave up any common concept of what that might mean. We don't even have a motor home or an RV. And we, you know, stay with friends. We stay in hotels. We go where business takes us. My husband says we go where uh, business takes us and spirit moves us. Um, I like that. <laughs> but she's she's three, you know, so she travels with us. And my husband and I also run another business where we do advising and consulting for businesses uh, around due diligence and making sure people are getting involved with the people they think they're getting involved with and just, again, empowering business owners to make solid educated decisions for their businesses and so that's really ironically where my platform came out of because what I was finding was that business owners were abdicating their power to people simply because it wasn't they were offering to do something for their business that the business owner didn't feel he or she could do for themselves and certainly we should delegate but delegate from a position of power and a lot of people were just abdicating and kind of covering their eyes and going I hope this works you know and um, that's not a powerful way to build a business. And so I ended up doing more intuitive consulting with our business clients. And then that's led into doing the coaching piece in general. And so it, we, it feels like we have a lot of stuff going on. And, but ultimately what it comes down to is just like what you touched on, our lifestyle is holistic. We travel to where people need us. And we model living a life of freedom and empowerment but then we that's the underlying message of every single thing that we do to include how we parent to include how we run our marriage you know how do you take two powerful entities and create um, a marriage that works a, a highly integrated marriage but then now you throw in this three-year-old who you know might is right doesn't work with these kids anymore like no. she's a fully developed spiritual being with her own journey how do you parent from that perspective? And so everything we do comes back to honoring um, that spirit within each of us. And how do we do that from a place that doesn't abdicate our own power? You know, it's beautiful. You also touched on it with the businesses. When you were describing that business model where we partner up with other people that can fill the holes that we can't fill or we feel that we can't fill as business owners, and then we are really codependent on one another instead of being in a place of power and we're we can't do that in our relationships anymore we can't do that in our families anymore we can't do that in our businesses anymore that's not what we came here to do we came here to evolve into whole beings that are interdependent and, and you said it what happens in business happens in families and vice versa i think it's beautiful what you're doing <laughs> well thank you there's times when i wonder but the <laughs> um but it feels so right it's i mean we we have opened people's eyes to what a three-year-old is capable of. She's had her own business cards since she was two. She wow. engages in majority of our entrepreneurship activity. She networks better than most people. You know, we'll take her to a playground and she'll bring friends over and introduce them to us and tell them, well, you have to shake your hand. No, this hand, you know, <laughs> and say nice to meet you. And, you know, she, it, people like continually reflect back to us. Wow. I didn't know. I didn't even think a, child could do that and so that's part of her message here is 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 no we're 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 here we're people you know we're not you know and that's not how most of us were raised because that's just not the level of consciousness our society was at when most of us were young but these little ones now are coming in to show us that and I mean there's times when she looks me in the face and I know 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's much wiser than I am. And I feel it spiritually to the point where I just feel her spirit almost give off that aura of back off. I've got this, you know, and it's just like, okay, you know, and as a parent, you know, you, you, if you let that ego flare up, it's like, no, I'm the mom. I, you do what I say, you know, and, um, it's just not going to work anymore. They can't do what they're here to do if that's how we raise them. I hope that a book in your future is conscious parenting in this era, (laughs) because what you're talking about, boy, would I buy a copy for a whole lot of my friends and say, here, check this out. It's a new way to parent. It's a beautiful perspective. I'm, you know, the days of go sit in the corner because you're not doing it my way. Mm. You need to eat what I want you to eat and do what I want you to do. And you're parenting so differently. And that's encouraging to me. Oh, well, thank you. Well, and I acknowledge that a lot of it is because of who she is. And I get that there. She's very, she and I in particular are very synchronistic. And then her her way of being is very synchronistic with the life that um, her father and I have developed. And so it's, it's easy in that regard. Our challenge is always to be reminded that we are pioneering something and we're doing that in all aspects. We're doing it in business, in our marriage and parenting and a lot of people are doing that now and I just keep reminding people that when you feel like you don't know what to do it's because you've asked to be the first one to do it and so it's there's not going to be a model for you all you can do is be guided intuitively to stay connected and to really follow what feels right to you and so many any of us have stepped into those roles and, and at our weakest moments we freak out because it's like this is not how things have always been done um, Yeah, I had a phone call recently reflect that to me a gentleman I was calling for a possible joint venture and he launched into lecturing me about our business model and part of me was like oh my gosh maybe he's right maybe I need to be doing this and I finally mm-hmm. had to stop myself and say whoa you know and I said with all due respect we tried that and we found something that works for us. This is the way we do business. He's like, well, that's not the way business is done. I said, no, that's not the way business was done. Good and um, he was not, I mean, he was really, every my entire existence was abrasive to him. <laughs> <laughs> I did not feel good to him at all. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it threw me. I allowed it to throw me temporarily because of my fears around, oh my gosh, who do I think I I am. Like, look at the world I come from, academia, government. Like, what do I know about business? Right. But that's what we've agreed to do is to take that knowingness and help some of these systems evolve. I have certainly felt that disconnect between, you know, I've got my own educational background and work experience and the region of the country in America that I live in and trying to be in this enlightened path in a business community. And I really want to serve as a bridge for the two. And Mm -hmm. I feel that often. It's like, where where do I look for what this looks like and how this goes right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people that are trying to be enlightened beings in a structure that is changing and they're looking for what their truth is in that it is and I I did um I do I do readings for a lot of people and one of the ones that came up lately was it was so powerful for me it's such a great reminder of what happens when we give into that fear and we start listening to other people and all I can I find myself continually reminding people to be very careful who they seek advice from to be very careful who they involve in their projects. And we we do that from a due diligence standpoint um, with our business clients, not just, oh my goodness, that person may be a criminal, 
but they just simply may not be a good energetic fit for your business. And any more, that's more detrimental than any criminal history might be. Amen. You bring, when you've got a vision for your business, when you have a vision for your life and you allow people with a lower vibration or even even same vibration, but just different intent, you know, that's their vision. That's their perspective of the world. When you abdicate your power to them and take their advice on as your own, and it does, it's not a good fit. Sometimes it is. You know, I'm, I'm a big puzzle player. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll take this advice from this person and this one from this person. And, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm, I'm constantly constructing it um, in an expedited fashion. But it has to resonate. And you have to do that internal work first before you can ever get to the place where you have your own level of discernment around that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know that we're running out of time at this point. So before we wrap this up, I'd love to ask you if there's something that you wish that everyone out there knew about their own personal power. If they never pick up a book that you've written, if they never call you, is there something you really feel compelled to share with them about their personal power? Yes. And and that's that it it looks your personal power will look differently on you than anybody else's. You cannot wear somebody else's power and you'll know it we've all had those moments when we knew it we knew we were in a powerful place when you walked into a room and you knew energetically that you were giving off the exact vibe that you wanted to give off and it was attracting the people that you wanted to engage with and we've had those moments of feeling that don't lose that and how that feels when you see someone else who appears to be more successful or more powerful or can draw attention easier or whatever. Your version of power is something the world has never, ever, ever seen before because you're going to put it together differently. You're going to wear it differently. And and that's great. That's what we need people to do right now. And really doing that work and making sure that you're not taking on someone else's expectations of that or assigning it in ways that it it shouldn't be and that doesn't serve you. That's wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Tonya Don Reckla, Stand in Your Power. You have a wonderful listing in our business directory of our holistic community at Journey of Possibilities. You have your own website. Would you like to give that address out? Sure. It's tonyadon.com, T-O-N-Y-A-D-A-W-N.com. Thanks for joining us for Exploring Possibilities. This is Cheryl Sitz inviting you to live your life with peace, purpose, and passion.